0: How is everyone doing? Welcome to my first official episode of my podcast, Bravo Tea with Jared B. I'm your host, Jared B., uh, also known as Jared Barnes. If you want my government name, don't try any funny business. Um, I'm very excited to be here today. I'm excited to start this podcast finally. I feel like I've been talking about this podcast for the past two months, and it is finally happening. I really wanted to start this podcast when this most recent season of the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip dropped on Peacock, but I was not ready. I did not realize there is a lot to putting together a podcast when it comes to like... And I wanted to do it the right way. I kind of have a foundation... not a foundation. I have a background in production. Uh, Not a lot of experience, but I did theater in high school. I did technical theater. I did a little on stage stuff. But like with that foundation, you know, I've I've learned the importance of building something from the ground up. And I decided that if I'm gonna do a podcast, I'm gonna do it the right way. I'm not gonna rush it. I'm going to make sure it's good enough for the consumers. And so here we are. Um, I've been watching Bravo probably for the past 20 years. I think since 2005. I cannot tell you how I ended up watching Bravo. I don't know if my mom watched Bravo. I don't remember her watching Bravo or shows on Bravo. I might have been the one to introduce my mom to Bravo because I definitely think I'm the one that told my mom to start watching The Real Housewives of New York, which happens to be the first franchise of Real Housewives I started watching because at the, the, at the time, I did not know there was a Real Housewives of Orange County, and if I did know back then, because OC premiered in 2006, I probably, like, there was no connection for me with Orange County because I'm not from California, and, like, it's not... You know, it's not Los Angeles. You know, I've heard of Los Angeles. I've heard of Beverly Hills. I've heard of Malibu. I've heard of San Francisco. I've heard of Sacramento. Orange County uh, was not... um, I didn't have knowledge of Orange County is basically what I'm saying. So that's why I did not start off with The Real Housewives of Orange County. But um, some of the shows that I was watching when I first started watching Bravo are Being Bobby Brown, which started in 2005. Kathy Griffin's My Life on a D-List, which started in 2005. Flipping Out, one of my favorite home renovation shows starring uh, Jeff Lewis that started in 2007. Top Chef, 2006. Project Runway, 2004. Inside the Actor's Studio. Don't have a year for that. NYC Prep, this was one of my favorites. NYC Prep was basically... like This was the time like Gossip Girl was very popular. And so NYC Prep was basically a reality version of Gossip Girl. It followed these um, well-to-do privileged kids that live in New York City that come from wealthy families that go to some of the most prestigious private schools in New York City. And it basically followed their lives. And I was fascinated by that show because these cast members of NYC Prep are close to my age. So I guess I I felt like a, a little familiarity with them, even though I did not know them. You know, it was like, oh, these people are like a grade or two older than me. So, like, you know, we were almost peers in a way, even though we didn't know each other. Um, another show I watched, Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles. Um, I don't think I started that one in the beginning because I don't think I started watching until it was Madison Hildebrand, Josh Flagg, and Chad. I don't know his last name. I think he only lasted one season. That's why I don't know his last name. And also I watched the Rachel Zoe project. But can I come back to being Bobby Brown real quick? Um, If anyone does not know, uh, Bobby Brown is the ex-husband of the dearly departed Whitney Houston. They were married and got divorced, and we know that, you know, Whitney Houston is no longer with us. But they had a reality show on Bravo, and boy, was it entertaining. First of all, to get a peek behind the curtain, in the life of one of the most successful recording artists of my generation, and probably, like, my mother's generation, Whitney the Houston, also known as Nippy, also known as The Voice. Um, And it was interesting, like, Uh, Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston, they lived in this gated community called Country Club of the South, which is in Alpharetta, Georgia, and that is a suburb of Atlanta. It's about 35 minutes north. It's a gated community with security, and it's also, they have, like, a world-renowned golf course. I don't know golf, so I don't know if, like, world-renowned golf course is a thing, but, like, it's a, it's a, I guess it's a good golf course. I don't golf. Um, I like tennis though. Um, and so, like, being Bobby Brown, seeing Whitney Houston, like, just as a normal person, like, in regular clothes with her, you know, tilted wig, and just like her and Bobby just had, like, great chemistry. And you can tell that they were really good friends. And they would, like, randomly, like, break out into song and dance, you know, in the middle of the mall or, like, you know, on vacation at a resort. And unfortunately, Being Bobby Brown is not on Peacock. But where you can watch it, if you are interested, YouTube actually has every episode of Being Bobby Brown. It is not in HD. So it's going to look like you are watching TV in 2002 and not 2023. But if you don't mind that, I would suggest checking out Being Bobby Brown. Um Being Bobby Brown did not come back for a second season because... Um there was some behavior exhibited by Whitney Houston in a way that we were not familiar with for from Whitney Houston, if you understand what I mean. Like Whitney Houston being known the celebrity, this singer, you know, you know, the beautiful gowns and you know and And being Bobby Brown, we saw a different side of Whitney Houston. I don't know if it was a side that where drugs were involved, because I don't know what she was doing during the filming. But there's certainly some behavior where I was like, Whitney seems a little off. Um, But again, I found it very entertaining. Um, I'm going to get into some of the shows that... I love on Bravo. So I watch Below Deck. I might as well just call it the Below Deck franchise because there's several Below Decks at this point. There is regular Below Deck, um, Captain Lee, the stud of the sea, as they call him. And I'm a little upset that Captain Lee is not returning to Below Deck, but I do understand, you know, he did have health issues uh, last season on below deck where captain captain Sandy had to step in from, for him from below deck med until he was able to come, uh, come back. Um, he was having some mobility issues. Um, so I'm, I'm sad to see captain Lee go. I love below deck med, uh, The captain is Captain Sandy. Some people love Captain Sandy. Some people don't like Captain Sandy. I don't mind Captain Sandy. I think I might actually like Captain Sandy. One thing I love about Below Deck Med is that show often inspires where I choose to go on my next vacation. Why I have chosen to visit Italy before is because of Below Deck Med. I went to the Amafi Coast a couple years ago, Sorrento. That vacation did not go how I planned because I went with my friend slash coworker Isaiah and we like country hopped a lot. We went to London to visit friends. We went to Amsterdam and then we went to Italy. And then by the time we got, we went to Rome, we went to Naples and then we went to Sorrento. And by the time we got to Sorrento, we were beat. We were tired and we showed up in Sorrento with like summer clothing. And it was 55 degrees in Sorrento. And we were also sleepy and a little bit exhausted from all the traveling. So we literally stayed in our bed and breakfast for two days and just like ordered pizza. Um, So we didn't really get to enjoy Sorrento how we wanted to. I wanted to go on a boat. I wanted to swim in the Mediterranean Sea. But I will return to Sorrento one day. I'm also going to Croatia this summer for vacation. Why am I going to Croatia? because I've seen it on Below Deck Med. So that's how much <laughs> Below Deck Med influences the, d- the decisions I make in my life. Um, also, we have Below Deck Sailing Yacht. Uh, we have Below Deck Adventure. And we have Below Deck Down Under, which uh, airs on Peacock. Now we also have Southern Charm. Um, I love Southern Charm. Southern Charm is a franchise as well. We have OG Southern Charm, which takes place in Charleston. We have Southern Charm Savannah, which only lasted one season. And if you've seen it, you can probably understand why, because I think they were trying a little bit too hard. Um, And then we also have Southern Charm New Orleans. I loved Southern Charm New Orleans. Season one was okay. Season two was better. Season three was great. And they didn't return. It wasn't formally canceled. I feel like Bravo doesn't like to say that they are canceling a show because I think there's sometimes a possibility a show would return. And if there is one show I wish that would return to Bravo, it is is Southern Charm, New Orleans. Um, That was very good. Season three was really good. And they did not get a reunion. And I'm like, if all the seasons that Southern Charm New Orleans had, which were only three, season three should have had a reunion because I think that would have created a snowball effect for Bravo to be like, oh, there's a response to this. Um, Let's give them a season four. But also, I think at the time Southern Charm New Orleans was airing, Southern Charm Charleston was like in the thick of it. Southern Charm Charleston is not what it used to be. The past couple of seasons, it's kind of dwindled in a bit. Not dwindled in a bit. Like, see, this is this is the nervousness I'm talking about a little bit, because, like, I'm kind of fudging my words, but we'll just, you know, we'll deal with it. Forgive me. You know, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Southern Charm, Charleston. Um, I feel like, in hindsight... The drama between Thomas Ravenel and Catherine was like the foundation of Southern Charm, and that's probably why that show was so good at one point. If you don't know about Southern Charm, it's a group of friends that live in Charleston, uh, and they party, and a lot of them hook up with each other, which is also similar to uh, Vanderpump Rules. It's kind of weird when a group of friends like swap partners not like in a swinger kind of way but in like you know you're part of a friend group and like people are just like hooking up with each other to the point where it just creates a web and like i'm not judging people that do that because like i guess that happens more in like high school and probably college, and maybe even a couple years after college. But I think, like, once you're getting into your 30s and then early 40s, and you're still, like, you're not expanding your net outside of your friend group, I find that a little shady and problematic. Um, And they definitely do that on Southern Charm Charleston, and they definitely do that on Vanderpump Rules, uh, which is why there's a whole scandal happening right now. Uh, But anyway... Um, Southern Charm, you know, I have hope for it. I don't know if that cast needs to be revamped. I don't know if people were going to continue watching if the cast is revamped. I will say, I think they are currently filming their new season at this moment. And all we have heard is that Catherine will not be uh, returning on the new season of Southern Charm. She was fired. Apparently she is... Um, a difficult employee. Um, apparently she didn't have a really good rapport with production. And apparently she would not show up to scheduled filming or she would show up late, which would inconvenience the cast and also the crew because time is money. You can't just be sitting around waiting for a cast member to show up when you're supposed to be filming. Um... So yeah, we'll see what Southern Charm has to offer in its new season. Uh, Let's get to Million Dollar Listing. Again, I mentioned I watched Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles. I also loved Million Dollar Listing New York. I probably love Million Dollar Listing New York City more than Los Angeles because I'm from New York, I'm from Long Island. But, you know, I'm familiar with the city. Like, when I see a million-dollar list in New York that they're going to, you know, Gramercy, West Village, Greenwich Village, East Village, you know, Financial District, um, Upper East Side, Upper West Side, Harlem, you know, all the different neighborhoods and pockets in New York City— I know where they are. So I'm like, oh, okay, I see. Whereas um, Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles, I'm not familiar with the Los Angeles or the greater Los Angeles area and all the pockets and neighborhood names there. Like, I, you know, now that I have watched The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and even um, Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles, I'm now aware of like West Hollywood, Sherman Oaks, Beverly Crest. Beverly Hills, Bel Air. You know, I'm more familiar with those uh places in Los Angeles now. Um maybe you've been waiting for me to get to this, but let's talk about the real housewives. Is that why we're really here, everyone? Are we really here to just talk about the real housewives? No. I'm not here to talk about the Uh, I'm just kidding. I am here to talk about The Real Housewives. Uh, But actually, before I get into that, let me talk about Vanderpump Rules. Now, I will be recapping Vanderpump Rules on this podcast, but I am going to be 100% honest with you. I am not a regular viewer of Vanderpump Rules. I watched the first season and it was great. But I think like I couldn't manage my roster of TV shows on Bravo and Vanderpump rule rules happen to fall to the wayside. Um, because I watch Bravo, because I watch Andy Cohen's show watch what happens live on Bravo, I am aware of the drama that has happened over the past several seasons on the show. I know who the cast members are. I'm aware of Scandavol before uh My recap episode with Vanderpump Rules airs that is upcoming. I will be catching up on this current season of Vanderpump Rules so I can really give you good opinions um, and feelings about what's going on. Uh, So let's get back to The Real Housewives. Um, The Real Housewives is honestly the juggernaut of Bravo. You know, you can't deny that, 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 that franchise is a literal beast and probably generates a lot of money for Bravo and probably Andy Cohen. His pockets are probably nice and thick at this point from all the craziness that goes down with The Real Housewives. Um, Like I said earlier, the first Housewife City I watched, did I say that earlier? I don't know. Um, But if I did not say that earlier, the first franchise of Real Housewives that I watched was actually New York City um, because I was familiar with New York City and not so much Orange County. Um, I actually did not start watching Orange County until season four, which was Gretchen Rossi's first season, if you remember season four of the Real Housewives of Orange County. That's when Gretchen Rossi came in as a new housewife, and she was dating and getting engaged to a much, much older man than Jeff. And Jeff was uh, dealing with cancer, and also he ended up dying from cancer. But the controversy around season four of The Real Housewives of Orange County was that here is Gretchen, a much younger woman dating a much older man, and apparently on the side, Gretchen was dating a much younger man at the same time she was with Jeff on the show. Um, season four was actually Tamra's first, no, second season on The Real Housewives of Orange County. Um, season three was her first season. I have seen season three. I'm going to be honest. I have not seen season one and two of Orange County. I've tried to watch it before. Um, but it was just a little, it was... It wasn't entertaining. It was a little boring. Like, season one and two of Orange County was about a group of women who live in a gated community, Cota de Casa, in Orange County, California. Um, And it was about, like, them being friends and having, you know, taking care of their kids. But there wasn't really conflict on The Real Housewives of Orange County um, on the first two seasons. The person that introduced conflict (laughs) To the Real Housewives of Orange County was actually, actually Tamara Barney, whose name is now Tamara Judge because she got divorced and now is uh, remarried to Eddie Judge. And so the reason why I have this kind of perspective about the Real Housewives of Orange County is because this past week. I finished a book that I've heard of that came out like a year or two ago, and I don't know why it took me so long to start it, but it's called Not All Diamonds and Rosé. And basically, this book features interviews with almost every Real Housewife there has been um, on the shows that air in America, and friend of, and basically the book is separated into parts each part is a different franchise so of course part one is orange county and they discuss you know kind of the creation of orange county what inspired the idea and they are the author of the book is interviewing all the housewives andy cohen is participating in this book Producers of the shows are participating in this book and Bravo executives are participating in this book. And so when I say that Tamara was the one to introduce conflict to the show, it's because that is what a producer said in Not All Diamonds and Rosé. According to the producers in the book, uh, Tamara Barney at the time... In her interview or audition for The Real Housewives of Orange County felt like she could really bring something to the show. And she felt like the show was a little boring. And producers noticed that Tamra was not afraid to go there, was not afraid to criticize other housewives and uh, start a little drama. And looking back, Tamra Barney is what you call a force multiplier. Tamra Barney well, actually now Tamara Judge, is able to show up and film and kind of make things happen and do what they call moving story. Um, we'll get into moving story as this podcast progresses. Uh, moving story is basically, say, two housewives are in a conflict and there's like a group dinner coming up. And the two housewives are there at the group dinner, but the two housewives have not spoken since their conflict, and they're not really trying to resolve the conflict. So maybe a Tamra judge will be like, hey, so-and-so and so-and-so, I know you guys are, like, having some beef. Have you guys worked it out? And, like, that is the start of moving story. And because what that—Tamra asking that question of the housewives— creates a snowball effect for drama, basically. Um, So, you know, that's what it means to move story or be a force multiplier. It's a housewife that can show up and make things happen, whether it be drama, conflict, or funny moments, or resolution, you know? Um, And we, you know... Giselle Bryant of Potomac is a force multiplier, someone that moves story. Margaret Joseph does that very well. Um Lisa Renna did it, even though she kind of paid the price for playing that like villainous character, even though No one casted her to be the villain. She was casted to be herself. But I think over the years she felt the need to be the villain uh, in order to create a good show. And that kind of bit her in the tuchus because now she's not on the show anymore. But she'll probably come back. Um, So yeah, Orange County, I did not start watching in the beginning. New York City was my first one. Um, And I'm just going to break down all the Housewife franchises that we have had in America. And you might be wondering why I keep on saying Housewife franchises in America. I say that because there are Housewife shows outside of the United States that are not aired in this country. So, like, they have uh, The Real Housewives of Melbourne sit... Sydney, Vancouver, Toronto, Johannesburg, Cheshire, and Durban. I will say, I love me some Real Housewives of Durban, which is on Peacock. Durban is in South Africa. I will say that you will need subtitles because they go in between English and, um, their native language. A lot of the women on uh, the Real Housewives of Durban are Zulu. Um, But I really loved The Royal Housewives of Durban. Couldn't get into Cheshire because, ooh, that shows a lot. And also, like, there's been 16 seasons of Cheshire, and I don't have the time to start from season one. I really don't. Um, But so that's why I say, like, Housewives in America. So the current Housewife franchises that exist are Orange County, New York City, Atlanta, New Jersey... D.C. did exist, but it did get canceled after the first season. Uh, the reason being is because a housewife on The Real Housewives of D.C. and her husband, Mikhail and Tark Salahi, decided that they were going to crash uh, a state dinner party. I believe it was it was Obama's presidency. It was Obama's first term. I, w- I believe it was within his first year of being president, and Mikhail and Tark were telling the other housewives, telling production, telling us as viewers that they are going to this White House state dinner. And somehow, they are able to make it past several checkpoints of security at the White House and ended up in the same vicinity as the president of United States and the first lady. And it comes out later that they weren't actually invited. The FBI subpoenaed all the tapes from Bravo. Um, There was a congressional hearing, I think, investigation, where McHale and Tark had to testify in front of Congress about how they got in the White House, why they were in that White House. But I think they never paid the price for that. Uh, I think it was Secret Service that took it on the chin. Um, But that was fascinating. But because of all the controversy... Of season one of The Real Housewives of DC, they were canceled after the first season, even though I feel like that would have been a very good uh, addition to the Housewife franchise. So next is Beverly Hills, Miami, which lasted three seasons, started in 2011, was put on hiatus for eight years, and then came back on Peacock. In 2021, and honestly, right now, The Real Housewives of Miami is my number one housewife show. Of all the housewives, Miami is number one. Um, Then Potomac came after that. Dallas came after that. Dallas only lasted four or five seasons, and I think the main reason why Dallas didn't last that long, if you watch Dallas, like, if you watch Housewives in general, every city has kind of, like, their own personality. Like, every, you know, people have asked me, how do you watch all these cities? And I'm like, they're all different. They might all, like, do the same thing, you know, cause drama, but each city has a different personality, And Dallas, I don't think, could establish who they were going to be in the Housewives universe. They didn't know if they were going to be these society women who are invited to charities. They didn't know if they were going to be these posh women, because I've been to Dallas only once. But it's a very nice city. It's a posh city. There's a lot of money in Dallas, a lot of old money in Dallas, especially in, like, the Highland Park area. Um, but they only lasted five seasons, and I don't expect Dallas is going to make a comeback the way Potomac has. Um... Salt Lake City was after that. Dubai was after that. And I'm hearing rumors that we might be getting a Real Housewives of New Orleans. Now, some of you might be asking yourselves, don't you think we have enough Real Housewives cities? I say the more the merrier. Because, like, not all of these cities are going to last for a long time, like even the fact that Orange County is still around since 2006, when like not all of their seasons are great, is a testament to Bravo's loyalty to the Real Housewives of Orange County. And I think the only reason why that loyalty exists is because they were the first city in the Real Housewives franchise. Um, but I'm excited for the idea of a Real Housewives of New Orleans. Um from the rumors I have seen on social media, going back to Southern Charm New Orleans, um, there are rumors that Tamika and Reagan from real House uh, from Southern Charm New Orleans are being considered for the cast of the real Housewives of New Orleans, which excites me because I liked Reagan. I liked Tamika. Like I said, I love Southern Charm New Orleans, so if I can get a piece of Southern Charm NOLA back into the Bravo universe, I will take it in the form of the Royal Housewives of New Orleans. I have seen postings on Twitter and Instagram about how there was a casting call put out to find uh, socialites and wives of athletes in the new orleans area so that's why i think we might be getting a real housewives of new orleans within the next year but i could be wrong i could be wrong um yeah i think that might be it i think i've discussed everything excuse me for w- like one moment because i wrote out an outline like i'm some I'm someone that likes to be organized when it comes to like creating something. And I didn't want to just come on here and press record and just start talking because I I want it to be focused and I want it to be organized. And even though it seems like I'm ranting a little bit, you know, I want to really kind of do this podcast the right way and for it to be structured and not. And for it to not feel unorganized. So as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at my laptop, looking at the outline I wrote for this introduction episode. And I think I might have touched on just about everything. Um before I leave you, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to give you my ranking. I have a ranking that exists for all the Housewives shows that air here in the United States. And this ranking changes as each new season premieres for each housewife city. Like I said earlier, my number one city right now is the real Housewives of Miami. So number one is Miami. Number two is Potomac. If you were not watching The Real Housewives of Potomac, you were missing out. Now, if you watched season one of The Real Housewives of Potomac, you might have not liked it because I didn't like it. Um, I think that there was a lot of this, like, society thing and class and etiquette. And, like, I don't think Bravo realized that we don't give a rip about Etiquette and class on The Real Housewives because that's kind of antithetical to being a real housewife. Etiquette and class. Like, you know, we want the drama, you know, give us the drama. So, like, season one of Potomac was not that great. What changed my mind about Potomac was the reunion. The reunion was explosive. It was funny. It was good, and that's when I realized, okay, if they get rid of the, you know, the class and etiquette shtick that they're trying to sell us on the Real Housewives of Potomac, this will be a formidable city in the Real Housewives of uh, in the Real Housewives franchise. And over the years, I think Potomac has proven itself to be a formidable. Uh, member of the Real Housewives franchise. Potomac is also one of the highest rated franchises at this moment. I think like Jersey and Beverly Hills might be like one and two with ratings. It used to be Atlanta. Atlanta used to be number one for several years with ratings. Uh, Probably between like season six and season nine or 10, that was like the sweet spot of Atlanta. So, like I said, Miami was number one, Potomac is number two, three is The Real Housewives of Atlanta. That is a show I enjoy. That is a show that makes me laugh. That is a show that makes me gasp. I'm looking forward to the new season of Real Housewives of Atlanta premiering on Sunday, May 6th. No, sorry, Sunday. May 7th. Today is May 6th. This is the day I'm recording this. Um, So I'm looking forward to to Atlanta. The trailer looks explosive. If you have not seen the trailer for The Real Housewives of Atlanta, please check it out um, before you start watching along with me. Um, My thing about Atlanta is that the cast is not as great as it used to be. Like when it was Nini, Candy, Kenya, Portia... Phaedra, Cynthia, Sheree, and Marlo. When it was that cast of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, that's when Atlanta saw their best ratings, and that's when that show was the juiciest. I feel like Atlanta is still trying to find their footing with the, the right cast dynamic, because right now we have Candy, we have Sheree, we have Kenya Moore, we have Drew We have Marlo Hampton. We have Sanya or Sanya Richards-Ross or Ross Richards. I'm sorry I messed up your name, Sanya. Love you. Um... Even though I'm still trying to figure out if Sanya is a good housewife. Sanya's only been a housewife of Atlanta for one season. And I think it takes more than one season to determine if someone's going to be a good housewife. Because, you know, your first season is kind of like your trial and error. You're figuring out the lay of the land, figuring out how to play the game. And trust me, there is a game to be played when it comes to the real housewife. If you've been watching long enough, if you truly pay attention, then you know the game that is to be played. Um, So Atlanta is figuring things out. One thing about Atlanta is that it seems like these women don't really like each other. And the problem with that is, is that the foundation of housewives is built on female friendships, friendships between women. And even though all these women might not know each other intimately when they are joining the show, usually they're all within the same circle of friends or know each other from because, you know, they go to the same parties or the same charities or have the same group of friends or their kids go to the same school and they see each other in the carpool line or they live, you know, in the same neighborhood. Like, that's how kind of, like, the cast is built for each Housewives show. And, like, at this point with the Real Housewives of Atlanta, it just seems like these women are just showing up for the cameras and that comes across evidently you know I don't know if I use evidently right um I think more obviously uh it comes across on the Real Housewives of Atlanta that it doesn't seem like these women like each other and I want a cast that has like a great rapport and like love for each other but also like know that they have a job to do uh when the cameras are rolling Um, So we'll see how Atlanta does after it premieres. Um, So again, Miami number one, Potomac number two, Atlanta number three. My number four housewife show is The Real Housewives of New York City. Now you might be asking yourself, how could Miami be number one and New York City be number four? I'll tell you why season 13 of Real Housewives of New York was not great. And even though there have been more great seasons of the Real Housewives of New York, you know, season 13 was not great. Real Housewives of New York used to be my number one franchise, probably because I'm from New York. So I've there's a connection. There's like a heart connection that exists between me and the Real Housewives of New York. I understand, uh, these ladies of New York more. I understand the vernacular, the nomenclature, the nomenclatures that exist in the, in in New York in general. I understand the grit. I understand kind of like, you know, how some of these women come off as a-holes. Um, but yeah, season 13. Um, and the reason why season 13 was not great, if you are not familiar, um... Season 13, we were introduced to Ebony K. Williams, who is the who was the first Black housewife on The Real Housewives of New York City. And let's just say that did not go well. And I don't think it went well for several reasons, and I'll break that down for you. Um, one, the show was being filmed... Uh, Season 13 filming was happening, like, fall of 2020. Now, if you remember 2020, some of us might not want to remember 2020. Um, That is the year that the world shut down, and we dealt with a global pandemic called coronavirus. Um, And New York is a state that was heavily affected by the pandemic, Thousands upon thousands, maybe a hundred thousand or more people died from coronavirus or coronavirus-related illnesses. Um, so that resulted in New York having very strict, you know, guidelines and boundaries surrounding coronavirus, and which means that New York wasn't really open fully. For the Real Housewives of New York to film in, and one thing, if you have not noticed, is that in many of these housewives' cities, the city they live in kind of um, is like an extra character. On the show, like the Real Housewives of New York, like one thing I loved about that show and that I still love about the show is seeing New York City. One thing I love about the Real Housewives of Miami is seeing Miami. Miami beautiful and the production value of the Real Housewives of Miami on Peacock is top notch. I would say Dubai and Miami probably have the best production value of all the Housewives cities. Um, but another thing that contributed to why season 13 was not that great for the Real Housewives of New York is that um, they only had five housewives, and that was Ramona Singer, Luann Della Sepps, my love, Sonya Morgan, um, Leah McSweeney, and Ebony K. Williams. Um, a lot of people feel like Ebony and Leah ruined the show, but I'm going to be honest with you, the Real Housewives of New York were kind of on a slow downward spiral after maybe season 10 or 11, whatever season Bethany left for the second time, which is when we saw the introduction to Leah McSweeney. Like, a lot of viewers and myself... And some of my friends that I discussed this show, these shows with, were often complaining about the fact that, you know, the the antics of the Real Housewives of New York, kind of like the, the drunken behavior of these middle-aged women, were getting a little old. And, like, I don't say middle-aged women as, like, a slight to these women, because, you know, middle-aged women, they are seasoned, they have life experience, and they can impart a lot of knowledge onto us. I like seeing the dynamics of these middle-aged women and some of these younger women as well that are coming up on The Real Housewives of New York and other franchises, but... um if all you're getting from a show is, like, kind of drunken behavior and, like, no one's really giving you, giving you personal story, you know, the drunken behavior becomes annoying. Because, like, we, we like the drunken behavior. Don't get me wrong. We like the drama, but we also, like, want to laugh and we also want, like, dynamic stories. We want interesting stories and from The Housewives, and it got to the point on The Real Housewives of New York where we really stopped getting that, and they were really leading too hard on the partying. So I think the third thing that contributed to why season 13 was a mess for The Real Housewives of New York, and I'm going to be 100% honest, um, it was the fact that Ebony was introduced to the Real Housewives of New York as the first Black cast member of that city. Um, If you were familiar with New York City, New York City is, I believe, the most diverse city in the United States of America and probably one of the most diverse cities in the world. When you walk through New York City, you see every kind of person that exists. You see Black, white, white, Asian, Hispanic, and every category that exists between black, white, Asian, Hispanic. You walk down the street and you smell all the foods that, you know, are being made by these different groups of people, immigrants, these different ethnicities, you know, New York is rich with history. New York is rich with diversity, not only diversity in thought, not only diversity in color, not only diversity in religion. And that was never really tapped into on the Real Housewives of New York. They focused on a particular group of friends that pretty much live in the Upper East Side. Upper West Side, and like some that live downtown. And the thing that did not work with Ebony K. Williams, the one thing, one of the first things that did not work is that Ebony K. Williams did not have any actual genuine, authentic connection to these women. Ebony K. Williams was introduced to the show as a friend of Leah McSweeney. And it turns out they weren't really friends like that. They were friendly but not friends like that. And I think when you just drop a new housewife into a group of friends where they don't know each other, they're not part of the same circle, the same social circle, things are not going to go well. Also, another thing is that when season 13 of The Real Housewives of New York was filming, again, we were in the middle of a pandemic, but in this country, we were also approaching a very contentious presidential election between Joe Biden and Donald And, you know, it was a little heated in this country at that time during that election. And if you are, you know, live in this country, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. N- not only did were we dealing with a contentious election coming up, we were also dealing with, uh, I guess, a racial reckoning in this country and, and the conversation surrounding race and bias and prejudice and, micro-aggress- and microaggressions and I, I think that you know again that that it was intense in this country you know we had protests we had riots we had people of all sides of the political spectrum you know participating in these conversations all around this country on social media on news, in her own friend group, and all of that played a part in how bad The Real Housewives of New York was on season 13. Now, Ebony K. Williams is someone that is not afraid to make her opinion known, and I feel comfortable saying that maybe the way Ebony was going about these conversations was not the right way. And I will also say for some of the other ladies on the Real Housewives of New York, it seemed like they were not really receptive to having that those conversations. And it might have been the way that Ebony was coming at them with these conversations. You know, these uncomfortable conversations happen every day in life. If you find yourself with, inside a group of uh, friends that is diverse, you know... These conversations will happen, happen, and they can sometimes be uncomfortable. How you are able to have a constructive conversation about the dynamics of race, racism, bias, prejudice, is that both parties or multiple parties have to be willing to come to the table and be able to listen to each other and not come into it ready to debate Um, not come into it ready to prove why you were wrong and and why they are right or vice versa. And that never really happened on The Real Housewives of New York season 13. It was often very uncomfortable to watch, you know, these conversations happen because I don't feel like they were happening in a constructive and responsible way. And... I will say, Ebony K. Williams bared the brunt of a lot of the backlash that the Real Housewives of New York City had with season 13, and it resulted in the whole entire cast being fired after the Real Housewives of after season 13 of Real Housewives of New York. And now season 14 is about to premiere in July 16th with a whole new cast of. Women, and I'm actually looking forward to New York. I didn't have a problem with the casting on the Rojas. while I was in New York, did I think in the back of my mind like they're not really tapping it, tapping into the rich diversity of the city? Yes, I, I was aware of that, but I enjoyed the show enough to not have a problem with it. I was excited for the introduction of Ebony K. Williams. And I was deeply disappointed with the fallout of the introduction of Ebony K. Williams. And with this new cast of Real Housewives of New York, it is a more diverse group of women. Uh, Black, white, you know, Indian. Um, You know, you see the true diversity of New York City represented in this new cast of the Real Housewives of New York. And I just ask fans of the real housewives of new york to like give these group of women a chance. It is not their fault that season 13 was not good. Like come in come into it with open eyes. Come into it with an open heart. Like you can't come into season 14 expecting them to bring what the former cast members brought. And I'm okay with that. Like, I, I'm someone that loves these shows, but I don't find myself emotionally connect, connected to these shows. And what I mean by that is like, I'm not on social not on social media, like tweeting Housewives, hate tweeting Bravo, hate tweeting. Andy Cohen. I'm not sliding into Housewives DMs saying, like, how could you say this? How could you do this? At the end of the day, this is entertainment for me. This is, like, something where I can, like, kind of disconnect from the world and just, like, enjoy television. And so, like, I have the ability to, like, emotionally separate myself from these shows and, like, just have an objective perspective Um on these shows. And like I said, let's give these new ladies of New York a chance to prove themselves. And I'm not, and they might not prove themselves in one season. Again, this is a new group of women and it might take them a moment to get used to what it means to be a real housewife. So like season 15 might be where like you start to get like some good, some good juice From that apple, that is the Real Housewives of New York. So again, I'm going to say Miami, number one, Potomac, number two, Atlanta, number three, New York, number four, and my number five housewife on my ranking list is the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills... There are many seasons that are great, and there are many seasons that are lackluster. You know, one thing I realize about The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is that they are really into protecting their image. And so, therefore, you don't really get the same grit and drama that you might get from Atlanta... Or that you might get from Potomac or Miami or New York. Like, Beverly Hills, uh, you know, it's a lifestyle show. Essentially, it's a lifestyle of the rich. um, Or somewhat rich. Or, you know, richer than us. um, On The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, I'm looking forward to the new season. Lisa Rinna is gone. It seems like we have a new housewife named Anne Marie. So... We have Kyle, we have Garcelle, we have Crystal, we have Dorit, we have Erica, we have Sutton, and now we have Anne-Marie, and from what I've seen, Cynthia Bailey of the World Housewives of Atlanta, um... She makes appearances on this upcoming season of Beverly Hills. Um, I believe Denise Richards makes an appearance. I believe Camille Grammer makes appearances. I believe Teddy Mellencamp makes appearances. Um, So, like, it's weird that all these former housewives are kind of, like, making appearances On Beverly Hills, it makes me a little nervous that, like, maybe this upcoming season is not that great. But based on the pictures I've seen posted by the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills cast, they seem like they're having a good time and actually enjoying each other's company, um, which is ultimately what we want on these shows. Like, genuine friendship, genuine connection, good personal story from these housewives, and drama. Um so yeah, Beverly Hills is number 5. Don't be mad at me. The Real Housewives of New Jersey is number 6. I would have said I will say actually not I would have said Real Housewives of New Jersey was probably number 4 before the season premiered, but I'm a little disappointed with this current season that is airing of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. And the main reason is because this is another season we are watching the drama play out, the family drama play out between Teresa, Joe, Melissa, and now Teresa's husband, Louie. And I'm not team Teresa. I'm not team Melissa. I'm team Jared. You'll rarely, probably never see me claim to be on a team of any housewife. I don't, I'm not, I don't stand any housewife. I don't like, you know, I, I, I don't, how do I say this? I'm able to like, in my mind, hold each housewife accountable. I might like a certain housewife, but at the same token, if they do something that's messed up, I'm going to be like, oh, I don't like that she did that. She was wrong for that. She should apologize for that. She handled that situation the wrong way. So that, that's what I mean, like, I'm not a stan of any particular housewife. So back to the Real Housewives of New Jersey. This is, we've been watching these dynamics between Teresa and her brother play out for the past 10 seasons. I'm exhausted at this point. I don't care. At this point, and in my honest opinion, the only thing that's saving this season of The Real Housewives of New Jersey are the introduction to these new ladies, Rachel Fuda, Jen Fessler, and Danielle. In my opinion, they are saving this season of The Real Housewives of New Jersey, um, because I can't, I can't watch. I can't watch another season of the family drama. I really can't. And they've already filmed their reunion. I believe they filmed it two two weeks ago. And according to what is on social media, according to Andy Cohen himself, this reunion was very nasty, very vicious, a lot of cursing, a lot of foul language. And I'm just like, ugh. And like, the question I have to ask myself is, what's next for New Jersey? Because I've seen on social media a lot of viewers saying they're done with the family drama. They don't want to watch the family drama. But I've also seen rumors that all the housewives and the friends of are coming back next season for New Jersey. If that's the case, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with having both Teresa and Melissa on the same show, but if they're both gonna be on the same show, I can't do the family drama anymore. These two ladies just have to agree to coexist on the same show, in the same spaces, Otherwise, woman, one of them needs to go. Now, I'm not going to be the one to de- say Teresa needs to go. I'm not going to be the one that says Melissa needs to go. Bravo needs to determine what they are going to do. Because it, when the next season of Royal Housewives of New Jersey comes and we're still watching the same family drama crap, you might see the ratings sink. In the way that it did for the Real Housewives of New York. And I, I love New Jersey. I, like I said, I'm from New York. I grew up going to Jersey. I have family in Jersey. The Real Housewives of New Jersey is New Jersey. Um, and I, I have hope for the show. And what the Real Housewives of New Jersey can be. And what they can produce As entertainment. I just think the family drama, we're over it. And we don't want to watch the 11th year of their family drama. When Melissa has said she's been dealing with this crap for 20 years. So we've been watching half of what this family has been going through. And in the words of Jay-Z, no one wins when the family feud. It is hard to watch these dynamics play out between their families. I'm not saying Teresa's right or wrong. I'm not saying Melissa's right or wrong. I think they both come for each other in sneaky and shady ways uh, behind the scenes and in front of the camera. I think they're both culpable for the drama that exists between them and their family. But the problem is, neither of them are able to take ownership of their part in the drama, especially Teresa. If you were a Teresa fan out there, like, you have to be able to sit back and, like, look at this from another perspective. One thing that's hard to do with Teresa is get through to her. It's like penetrating a brick wall. It's like, you know, it goes in one ear and out the other. She often justifies her behavior, sometimes vicious and vile behavior, and the things she says. Like, you know, you can't get through to Teresa. So, like, that's also another reason why I think, like, things are not going to work out between Melissa and Teresa. Because, like, you know... If two people are going to work things out, both people have to be able to receive criticism, love, accountability from each other. If you can't hear someone you are in conflict with, if you can't hear where they're coming from, if you can't hear where they're hurt, where their pain is coming from, but yet... You justify how you're treating them by how you feel they have treated you. That's going to get you nowhere. And that's what it's like, you know, dealing with conflict with Teresa. and if you don't dis if you don't agree with me, then you're not truly, like, watching the show. You're just, like, watching to love these ladies. And I, I I watch to be entertained by these ladies. But I'm going to keep it honest with all of you, and I'm going to keep it honest with myself. So that's why The Real Housewives of New Jersey is um, where it is on my list. Please do not send your hate tweets or your comments it is possible for The Real Housewives of New Jersey to move up in my roster. The only thing that is holding it down is the family drama. So next on my list, um, after, after The Real Housewives of New Jersey, is... Mm, let's see. I'm looking at my list. Sorry for the delay. Um, it's probably going to be Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City was more promising on the first two seasons. Um, I don't know if Salt Lake City, we just finished watching season three or season four. I don't know if they're about to film season five, maybe. But this last season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City was not that great. It was not fun watching Jin Shaw. you know, watch her complain and cry about being innocent and what's happening to her family. Meanwhile, while we're watching the show, we've already know that she's pled guilty to defrauding uh elderly people out of millions of dollars, which now Jen Shaw is serving a six and a half year sentence in prison as a result to her um illegal behavior. Um but we also what we were missing was Mary M. Cosby. No matter what you feel about Mary M. Cosby, she has said some cringy things, um, some things that should be rebuked. If you know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking about. Um... The things I'm talking about, the things that she said said about Jenny, and also Jenny saw herself fired because apparently she posted some racial things on Facebook, and uh, it came out to the public, and apparently they were nasty things, and Jenny was fired. So losing Jenny and Mary, which added an interesting dynamic to the cast of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, really resulted in the suffering of the most recent season of Salt Lake City. Because I believe the cast that was on the last season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, they're not good enough and dynamic enough or entertaining enough to have just them. You need wild cards in a Housewife cast. And Mary M. Cosby is one of those wild cards. You don't know... What's going to come out that woman's mouth? And that's one of the most fascinating things about Mary M. Cosby. And that's one of kind of the most troubling things about Mary M. Cosby. Um, and what from what I've seen on social media, Mary M. Cosby is filming. I don't know if it's a, as a friend of or just like a guest appearance on this upcoming season of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I, they said she's not being brought back full time, but maybe if Mary brings it in a way that Mary probably can, you might see her return the season after as a full house, full time housewife. So, so we'll see what happens with uh, Salt Lake City. Next on my list is going to be Dubai. I. The first season of Dubai was okay. What made Dubai great were two things. seeing Dubai, a place I probably can't afford to travel to, and Chanel Ayan. Chanel Ayan, in my opinion, saved The Real Housewives of Dubai from being canceled. I would say the people that contributed the most to season one of The Real Housewives of Dubai were Chanel Ayan, Lisa Milan, um, Caroline Brooks, and then kind of can Caroline Stanberry, like I used, excuse me, I used to uh, love Ladies of London that also aired on Bravo for like three or four seasons. Caroline Stanberry, that is now on the Rajaswa Wives of Dubai, she was on Ladies of London, and she was like pretty much the queen bee of Ladies of London. Now, from what I've heard, The Real Housewives of Dubai was casted around Caroline Stanberry. I don't know if it was expected that Caroline would be the Queen Bee of Dubai, but she certainly was not the Queen Bee of Dubai in season one. I think um, Chanel Ayan stole all that attention. You saw people like Chanel A- Ayan and Caroline Brooks and Lisa Milan, you know contribute a little bit well, a lot more to the dynamics of the cast. and I was a little disappointed with Caroline Stanberry because there were some points where she she didn't want to show up like um, I think Lisa Milan had a um, a fashion show for her maternity line, Mina Rowe and Caroline and um, Caroline Stanberry, Lisa Milan and Chanel Ayan have been having conflict at this point in the season. And so Caroline Stanberry was invited to Lisa Milan's fashion show, and Caroline Stanberry didn't want to go. She just wanted to hang out with her husband uh, and stay at home. I don't have a problem with that, but like, this is your first season. I don't think you should be given the option, oh, I'm going to sit out this cast event where the whole cast is going to be there because you don't want to deal with the drama. No, you don't run away from the drama, Caroline Stanberry. You run to it and you handle it the best way you know how. And then we just deal with the fallout. You know, well, we don't deal with the fallout. We watch the fallout and judge and criticize the fallout. You guys deal with the fallout among your cast. But like when Caroline was like, I'm not going to go to that fashion show, I was like, Caroline, You don't have the option to not go, in my opinion, because this is your first season of the show and you're not really bringing it to a place where like you can just skip out on events and filming. So that's what I feel about Real Housewives of Dubai. I think that show has tremendous promise. And from what I see on social media, because they are currently filming a new season You know, they have added more women, and I think Dubai did need more women. They probably need a cast of seven to eight. Um, So I have hope for Dubai. Last on my list, I hope you're not upset at me, but my least favorite Housewife city, show, franchise, whatever you want to call it, is The Real Housewives of Orange County. And they are last on my list for this reason— Orange County has been around since the beginning. I believe they're coming up on season 17 of The Real Housewives of Orange County. And to me, The Real Housewives of Orange County is the most inconsistent city of all the housewives where there are too many seasons that are not that great for them to be even memorable. Like, I I, I can rarely point out a moment in the Real Housewives of Orange County, where it's like, oh, I remember that moment. Like, I remember, you know, did you go to Bass Lake? When Tamara asked that to um, Gretchen Rossi on season four. I remember um, Tamara throwing uh, a glass of wine in Gina Keogh's face. Like, I remember Heather Dubrow having a meltdown because one of her friends ate the bow off a birthday cake before, you know, they cut the cake, you know, But after those things, there's not really a lot of memorable things about the Real Housewives of Orange County. And I feel bad saying that because, you know, they're the OG franchise. You know, they've been around the longest, but I feel like they don't bring it the way the other ladies in other cities do. And like, I want to love Orange County. I'm going to watch Orange County. I'm going to recap and discuss Orange County. And... The trailer looks somewhat promising. It does look, you know, a little boring. And there was a lot of criticism of the trailer. I do listen to Tamra and Teddy Mellencamp's podcast called Two Teas in the Pod. And Tamra has said she feels like the trailer did not truly capture all the drama that happened on this upcoming season of The Real Housewives of Orange County. And also, I'm excited to see the return of Tamra as a full-time housewife. I'm excited to see Vicki Gumbelson make guest appearances on the show. Vicki Gumbelson, the OG of the OC. I'm excited to see Taylor Armstrong cross over from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills to The Real Housewives of Orange County as a friend. Taylor Armstrong has not been a housewife in a very long time. She, You saw her on season two of Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, The Ex-Wives Club. I guess Bravo thought she did well enough to bring her back into the fold. So you will see Taylor Armstrong as an official friend of the cast on this upcoming season of The Real Housewives of Orange County. I am looking forward to it. I am. I just, I need Orange County to to give us more because it's often lackluster and not even worthy of being mentioned. Um, yeah, that is my ranking of my most favorite to least favorite Real Housewives cities. Their shows, the franchise, whatever you want to call it. So as I'm about to wrap up this introduction episode... I just want to give you some premiere dates for some upcoming shows I will be recapping and discussing. The Real Housewives of Atlanta premieres May 7th. That is Sunday, May 7th. I know earlier uh, I messed up and said it's... Saturday, May 6th, maybe? Um, But it's premiering Sunday, May 7th. Summer House Martha's Vineyard, which I'm very excited for, premieres Sunday, May 7th. The Real Housewives of Orange County premieres June 7th. The new season of The Real Housewives of New York, with this new cast, premieres July 16th. These are shows that I will be recapping and discussing on Bravo T with Jared B, in addition to current shows that are airing, which includes the OG Summer House that takes place in the Hamptons. This includes Vanderpump Rules. I will be recapping and discussing Vanderpump Rules. I will also be recapping and discussing uh, The Real Housewives of New Jersey um, on these upcoming podcast episodes. I'm kind of happy I'm coming at the end. Of the seasons of Pump Rules, New Jersey, and OG Summerhouse, House. Because um, I really wanted to premiere the podcast, you know, when new shows were premiering and not jump in in the middle of seasons. Um, I do also know that Below Deck is currently airing. Uh, Below Deck Sailing Yacht, I believe, is currently airing. Even though I am watching Below Deck, even though I love Below Deck, I will not be recapping Below Deck unless you guys want Below Deck to be recapped. I'm also watching Top Chef World All-Stars, a season that I am loving. I am not well-versed in the ve- vernacular that exists in the culinary chef world, so like I feel like I really can't, properly recap Top Chef and do people recap Top Chef? Don't you just watch the show for the food and the competition? Like, I just want to see nice food and competition. So I'm not going to be recapping, um, Top Chef, but I will be watching. So again, the shows I will be recapping are Real Housewives of Atlanta, Summer House Martha's Vineyard, Real Housewives of Orange County that premieres June 7th, Real Housewives of New York that premieres July 16th, and what's currently airing, Vanderpump Rules, Real Housewives of New Jersey, and OG Summer House Hamptons. So that is the first episode of my podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed I'm sorry if it seemed like I was rambling a little bit but I'm very excited and nervous at the same time and I just want to give it to you guys good you know um I appreciate that you guys taking that you guys are taking the time out to listen to my podcast right now I feel like I'm speaking to my friends my families and my co and my family and my co-workers because that's all who knows me at this point but if you don't know me if you were a stranger I'm also appreciative that you are taking this journey with me i really want to build this podcast to be a community where we can communicate with each other where um i can read your comments and questions on my podcast uh and i would love for it to get to the point where i can interview bravo liberties so you know if i have your loyalty if I have, you know, your ear when it comes to listening, if you subscribe to the podcast, if you um, give us great ratings on uh, the podcast, you know, we'll really be able to build this community of, uh, you know, listeners and viewers of Bravo for this podcast, Bravo Tea with Jared B. Again, I thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this first episode. I hope I gave you a little bit of background into my love of Bravo and shows on Bravo. I'm excited for what's to come for this podcast. Thank you again. I can't say it enough. Thank you for the support. And uh, stay tuned for what's to come. Until next time... Have a good one and enjoy life. Be safe. Have fun. You know, be happy. Tell your friends. Tell your family you love them and that you want to introduce them to a brand new podcast called Bravo Tea with Jared B. Spread the word, everyone. Spread the word. Bye-bye.